welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic to get 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. Go to TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. And I would say this is a perfect time of the year to do that because it's trade deadline season, Brian. Wow. And there's a lot of good content on The Athletic mm. to guide you through not just uh, reporting, but analysis as well for as the trades happened how they impact the teams going forward. A lot of good stuff. And we'll be doing a lot of that good stuff right here on The Glue Guys. Brian, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling charged up. Early morning show here, ready to go. Um, <laughs> early for us. But we procrastinated enough where it's now actually almost at our normal time. Yeah, that's that true. Doing. That's true. Um, um, did you watch some games? How about that Wiz? Big Wiz W for you. Yeah, so I was in the building. I was at the uh-uh. Capital One Arena in our nation's capital. What are you doing out there? Um, <laughs> covert operations, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, working for the FBI and the CIA and the NSA. I'm doing like a kind of a joint task force that I'm running down wow. here in DC. Um, in the in the arena, got a press seat, not a big deal. Um, and it was a very informative game to be at. I felt like uh, really particularly because where we were sitting was where the Kyrie injury basically happened. And it was sad and devastating. Oh, you mean like in alignment, uh, alignment. Lat- lat- latitudinally? Yeah, like we were we were at the corner of the court. Where, so where the Wizards have media set up, and this may not be that unusual, but it felt unusual, is they constructed temporary seating on top of like the entrance and exit ways where the players come in and out of from like near the bowels of the stadium. So you have to crawl under a four-foot ceiling to get into these seats, but they're actually pretty decent seats, and you're there. And so the corner of the court that we were at is where the Kyrie injury happened. And so first I'll say, when it first happened, uh, obviously scary, but but it seemed like it wasn't that serious at the very, very beginning because the it almost looked like the referees were indicating to Kenny Atkinson, because it was right near the Nets bench, too, that, like, not – they were almost indicating like you don't have to come out right now or like you it acting like Kyrie is giving some indication on the floor that he's better than what it ended up being. And then as he lays on the floor, he puts his hands on his face and seems to be, I don't know, crying, but expressing some serious emotion. The team huddles around him. We know that it goes commercial break for all those you watching on Nest, Yes Network. But for in the arena, the team was huddled around Kyrie and you're thinking, oh, S H I T. Yeah, when it starts, over. When it starts <laughs> writhing. That's always you never want to see the writhe. But then he gets up, and they have a jump ball, and he participates in the jump ball, though he just stands there, um, which was an odd moment. I didn't know that that was the case. So later, I did some investigating, Brian. I went, mm. I went into the locker room and asked why why that wow. had to happen. I asked, man, you really poked around. You may be part of the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked Garrett Temple, the 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 lovely Garrett Temple, uh, about that okay. sp- specific play because uh-huh. Kenny Kenny had talked about it. I, I think Kenny said it was some rules thing, but basically, like Garrett Temple was like, if Kyrie wanted to come back in the game, then he would have had to have done that jump ball. If he did didn't take that jump ball, then he could not come back in the game. And then I asked Garrett Temple, I said. Um. Oh, so Kyrie <laughs> indicated that he maybe could play yeah. again, play later, and he looked at me like took it a step too far. Huh? <laughs> don't yeah. you, who, one. Who are you? Two. Yeah. Get out of my face. Three. Don't make me talk about another player's injury. Yeah. 
So yeah. I was over the line. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm, but hey, you you probe. I mean, that's you're a, a hard hitting reporter, and you're probing away. You know. Um, by the way, my son just busted into my recording compound mm. right here. So my son Rowan is trifling, hey, Hi, trifling Rowan. through or strifling through my papers. I, I don't know that it's either of those. Um. <laughs> by the way, I said I was out to dinner rifling with, with some <laughs> rifling through. That's right. Yeah. I was out to dinner with some friends and. Um, I was acting like I was smart in college, and I said I graduated magnum cum laude. Ah, nice. Kind of tipped off <laughs> that I was not magnum cum laude. Yeah, I was, was a hot shot. There's a whole other level. Um, that's that's <laughs> cool. The size of condoms relate to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Got them. Um, yeah, but anyway. Well, so, so they wanted to kick you out of that locker room ASAP, huh? Yeah. You overextended your welcome. I think so, but the long and short of it is obviously anyone who's listening to this knows is that Kyrie's injury is much less serious than than it looked like at least initially there on the floor. Um, he would not have taken the jump ball if it was an ACL injury, but that night they told us uh, almost immediately that it doesn't look like it's an ACL. That we dodged a bullet, I think, is what Kenny Atkinson said. Here's an interesting thing I've noticed with specifically Kyrie Irving's injuries. They really go in deep on describing what exact, like, this is a medial <laughs> ligament sprain, which sounds more serious than a knee sprain. Um, and I'm wondering if that, who's who's responsible for the PR messaging there, you know? Like, because medial ligament sprain, well, like, wow, oh, gosh. That's, Aaron Harris, that, man. Aaron Harris. That, he was there in the building, as yeah. always. Um, and so I and I wonder that's if PR, that's if that's useful or not um, to go into that level of detail. Uh, well, it's funny that they they're so specific about that type of stuff, but then they won't tell you anything about injury right. timelines. Though, but but so I will point out. That, so we had the impingement gate earlier this mm -hmm. season, and, and which evolved into bursitis gate, which evolved into bursitis gate. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, bursitis gazi, maybe. Yeah, nice, better, way better. Uh, but. You will. I will tell you that the Nets were way more upfront about the recovery timeline for this injury. Immediately, they tell us likely not an ACL, and then they tell us, well, via Woj, that he's going to get an MRI. Because Kenny Atkinson wouldn't even say it that night that he was going to get an MRI, but Woj told us to the world. And then they say in their official press release about Kyrie's knee that the, he will be evaluated within one week. You know, sort of like they they're already telling us, OK, here's the timeline, folks. We're, we're not going to just not leave you with information. We're going to give you some information. I think they learned from impingement gate and bursitis Gazi that you can't you can't just simply say a guy is hurt and that he'll come back whenever he's ready. That is not acceptable anymore, particularly with someone like Kyrie Irving and particularly a guy who's had so many injury issues over his career. You have to give a little morsel of information so that we have some expectation of what's going to happen. And I appreciate it. That's This is an appreciation, though my tone isn't as appreciative. Uh, the one thing I will say before we kind of move on, because there's, I mean, there's a couple of things to kind of say about the Kyrie injury, but we'll, we'll talk about the on-the-floor impact and all that fun stuff. Um, no, we really won't, but we'll try. Um, Kyrie, so we didn't know. This is such insider access you're getting right here. We didn't know if Kyrie was going to talk, because when you get hurt, doesn't necessarily – Often players will sometimes not talk because, you know, they don't have that much information about their injury. They know the questions they're going to get. It's not really a productive media session for the players. It is obviously for us in the media. Um, but Kyrie did talk. You know, Kyrie w limped over. He had a brace on his knee. He was wearing black skinny jeans. I can tell you that. Mm. 
and he limped over and skinny jeans are tough to get into. You do need to flex your knee to get that's a that's an important piece of evidence there. That that's the thing that's so funny that that's what exactly what I thought of. Was like <laughs> if he was able to manage to get his leg <laughs> into these skinny Hilarious. jeans with a brace on. Yeah. It must be totally better. different if he has a pair of sweatpants on. Completely different. I would have been. I would, alarm bells would have been ringing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Um, but anyways, the it, Kyrie was definitely in a mood, and this has been that had been. So we're now in a new week. Obvi- he talked about it. He said, it's, "What a roller coaster this week has been." But it was a crazy week for him. So his mood. It was, you know, uh, I, I was kind of talking to you about this before. There's a certain amount of insider access that isn't helpful for a podcast, uh, but it was informative to be standing in front of him, t- seeing him talk and seeing him describe the things that he was trying to describe in the moment. Um, he he was he was a little. I think he was just like emotionally worn out. But big, I appreciate week, him. A lot, lot of ups and downs. I mean, had a big game. I mean, the elation of the 54 point game in, in uh, against amazing, the Bulls. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, and that's what you get with Kyrie, and like mm-hmm. it was nice to be reminded that that yeah. is inside of him. Yeah. Um. So. So anyway, he looked a little forlorn or just gassed or just so super gassed and like it's not that he was uninterested in talking because he did talk, but he was he almost looked like he had just ran a marathon and could barely lift his eyes and were was not in the moment was not really all there at that moment probably because he was thinking about. 18 million different things, but you know, I appreciate him talking. Um, so the Nets are now without Kyrie again. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, and the Suns game is going to happen tonight, so we will miss that. Um, are you are is this actually a good time to have an injury or a bad time to have an injury? I can't tell, I guess, because the All Star Day <laughs> break it's a good time. Um, uh, I mean, if you're if you have to have one, it's not it's not the worst. I mean, um, a week week to reevaluate. One of my favorites was um, Triple A. Greg Logan tweeted, you know, about that the he put it the X ray came back negative, um, which all of Nets Twitter delighted in being able to say. I think you mean MRI, Greg. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like in in rapid succession, one after the other, and then a Reddit thread doing exactly the same. Um, love that. Um, he but, did. There was. He did get an X-ray. I will say on Saturday night. Oh, okay. So he got the MRI on Sunday. So I don't know. So maybe Nets Twitter needs to apologize. Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe, maybe maybe I need to apologize to them. Um. Anywho, yeah. So um, I mean, would prefer it didn't happen at all. But if you're gonna do it, I guess now is not a terrible time. Um, um. But speaking of which, I mean, we. I mean, we weren't looking great in that Wizards game. Let me tell you what. Yeah, that was a weird one. It, it was so it's back to back. The Wizards, get, you know, the the Nets have to go on the road in this back to back play against a team who obviously isn't that good, but they are tough to play in a back to back situation because if they're just constantly running up and down the floor. They're one of the better offensive teams in the NBA, although they are not a good team. Bradley Beal was maybe proved to Brian why he is worth pursuing. I don't know. Um, never, never. There's nothing you could do. <laughs> I love this bit that we have now. It's yeah. like you hate him, and I have to try to convince yeah. you that he's Sell worthy of us. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so it's frustrating because the Nets had this nice part of their schedule where they're playing a lot of the bad teams in the NBA. Now they have the Suns and Warriors. The you know the Nets do need to actually win basketball games to get into the playoffs, and those are games that you can win. Kyrie may come back, so there's a Saturday night game. Uh, in Toronto, we will unlikely he'll play for that, but may, there's a Monday nighter he could maybe be back for. 
um, against the Pacers. And then it's Pacers, Raptors, Sixers. And then, well, it's Pacers, Raptors, and then All-Star break. And then we come back and we play the Sixers first game after the All-Star break. And, you know, I wasn't, I would, even with Kyrie, I wouldn't have been that confident against Raptors, Pacers, Raptors, those three games. But now uh, it's like a worry of like, can you beat the Suns and Warriors without Kyrie and back to like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, who I will say like, so Kyrie was really trying to encourage Karis throughout that Wizards game. But Karis continues to not, it's just not there at the moment. They're like, he had a corner three that missed that he slumped his shoulders afterwards. He had a, a drive at the bucket where he normally uh, he does his little hezzy move that normally results in a basket. He could not get a basket. It's like it isn't all there for Karis LeVert. And we'll kind of talk about Karis LeVert in our trade line deadline discussion. But he is he for them to actually be good right now without KD, he needs to be at least like a 15 point game score. Like he can't just be. He can't be he can't be as unreliable as Torian Prince. Torian Prince is actually more reliable at this point than Karis Levert, which is a wild thing to say, Brian. Yeah. Um with that in mind, do you want to get into the trade riffraff? I mean, <clears throat> you know, I know this will this always triggers a certain percentage of the fan base, but guys, it's literally the trade deadline. It's coming up. Gotta be talked about a little bit. And we're in the news. Woosh is tweeting about it. So come on, we gotta do it. The big game might be over, but the action is not slowing down just yet. There's still plenty happening on the rink, on the court, and on the field. Get in on the action tonight with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Just as one football season ends, another begins. Celebrate the kickoff of the new professional football season starting this weekend with DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Plus, they have great promos and odds boost each and every day of the week. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code QUICK and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times played through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the news! All right, go, go. Are a pro, Mike. I love really. just unleashing that on our ears. Um, really nice. So yeah, so we have we're recording this at ten oh eight, February third, the day after the Super Bowl, and we've already been delivered. It's been interesting that there's like trade deadline uh, news elements that came out on Super Bowl Sunday. Typically, like Super Bowl Sunday, from my memory, was a day like the NBA wouldn't touch, wouldn't leak information to reporters. But we had a Clint Capella trade rumor. From Woj, I think there was another like kind of semi big. There's a Robert Covington trade rumor maybe that came out, and now this morning, as Monday morning is when you reset and kind of send out a lot of the big pieces. Zach Lowe had a really good article about the trade deadline, like actually telling you the the real discussions that may be happening, as opposed to like this guy may get traded. Um, Sham Sharania of the Athletic, and if you subscribe to the Athletic, you could read this. He just put out another article about how uh, there's a bunch of stuff in there, but how the Knicks 
may be interested in D'Angelo Russell as well. Mm. But why we care is because Zach Lowe wrote, I don't know, six paragraphs about the Nets. And it begins with, the Nets have become one of my teams to watch at the deadline, Brian. Wow. He doesn't say Brian, but he says that, the other stuff before that. It feels like he's talking right to me, though. <laughs> yeah. um, the gist of what he's saying is that the Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Levert trio isn't working and that that will have to be figured out at some point and that Dinwiddie can hit free agency after next season. Uh, Karis Levert had just signed his extension, so trading him is a little bit of an awkward fit at times. Um, the, the, the Sort of the biggest bold items are that the Nets aren't going to deal Levert, Dinwiddie, or Jared Allen for a package centered on picks. It would be to get back players. Um, he calls Levert's contract and Torian Prince's contract essentially poison pills because of the extensions. Um, Zach Lowe floats out something that has been floated more than uh, I'm trying to think what is the most floatable thing. Uh, sanitation barges, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. trash barges. Yeah, they float. Um, ferries, Staten Island ferries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Dinwiddie for Aaron Gordon swap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there's been an, a wrinkle within that is that Jonathan Isaac and Al Farouk Amino are injured. So you kind of need Aaron Gordon. Um, and and also he points out that the Magic are happy with Markel Fultz. So Zach Lowe says that's one of the most interesting teams at the deadline. I'll throw this to you as you're reading this, as you read it. Anything stood out to you or... Do you agree that the Nets will be one of the teams to watch at the deadline, Brian? Um, I don't necessarily agree. Mm. Um, I mean, insofar as like there's going to be a big trade, like for a name like Aaron Gordon, I think that that feels very unlikely to me. Um, not only just because I think Aaron Gordon's not having a, a particularly good year, even despite everything. No, he's um, not. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and like of the players that you would need to trade for Aaron Gordon, um, I don't know. I don't know that he fits our system particularly well. I don't. I don't have reason to believe that he's like targeted as a as a Sean Marks guy um, more than like a Joe Harris or Spencer Dinwiddie is because those those feel like very much like like Sean Mark guys. Um, the Karis Levert thing, I feel, and I and I've I've been dogging him a little bit, and I feel bad about this. Um, I mean, Joe Harris for for like contractual reasons is definitely like his name is rightfully being floated out there. And also just for like, I don't know, he's having a a, a weird season and is last year the, his, his peak and he's returning to the mean or, or what. Um, But like, you know, he will be expiring after this year. And uh, if you're not planning to pay him, um, then it makes a whole lot of sense to trade him. Um, I don't know what Joe Harris gets. If that's your, if that's what you're leading with in any kind of trade package, um, probably not too, too much. And certainly not, I don't think it's enough to pry Aaron Gordon away despite him having a bad year. Um, and again, I don't think it's a great fit in general. <laughs> so for a lot of reasons, I don't think that that's like, that ain't it, Chief. Um, but I would like it if they could figure something out because I do think that's there. I mean, Zach Lowe's basic premise that the Levert, Dinwiddie, um, Irving pairing has just not at no point has it looked very dynamic. 
Um, so yeah. I'll say this. I think it's. I think the Irving Didwitting dynamic has looked yes. dynamic of late. I mean, Dinwiddie's, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's Din- percolating. Yeah, Dinwiddie has played pretty much just as well with Kyrie coming back. Now them playing together on the floor. I haven't looked up the numbers because it's just. It's not even worth doing it because there's such them playing on the court together because like the minutes are so few. But Dinwiddie's been playing really well. Kyrie, when he's healthy and when actually he's playing basketball, I mean, I just want to remind people what his per-season averages are this season. He's a 27, 6 assists, and 5 rebounds. That's a that's a pretty good Kyrie Irving season, shooting mm-hmm. 39% from 3 and 48% overall from the field. Like, yeah. a fantastic Kyrie season, just say he's only played 20 games and he's hurt again. So it's, we're, obviously, we're not, like, really celebrating it. I think Dinwiddie, I'm, con- I'm kind of convinced that Irving and Dinwiddie works. Now, does it work in crunch time when you do have KD out there and I guess Torian Prince is going to be a crunch time guy and whether it's Jared Allen or they go small and KD suddenly becomes the five and then you have another piece out there, whether it be Joe Harris or another shooter or Karis Avert, I don't know. Um, you know, I, there's obvious overlap between Dinwiddie and Irving and this isn't a new thing, but... Without, if you don't have Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> right now, yeah. you're you're one of the worst teams in the NBA. You are, and also Dinwiddie is just like gen, genu, uh, generally like one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And I'll stand by that. Any guy with like that kind of skill set of playmaking plus blow by like speed and scoring ability and finishing ability, that's just like a very elite, super gravitational player that you you really want on your roster, especially at that price. Yeah, and I would rather like if I'm Sean Marks, so I've kind of this is my whole thesis to the trade deadline continues to be just wait until next year because there's no trade out there that's really that interesting to me you know i like robert covington a lot but apparently he's uh being dude they the the numbers or the what what people are saying are are on the market for robert covington is insane he has become overvalued i would say yeah two first round picks is the rumor that the the timberwolves wants which is yeah (laughs) which is i mean and maybe two first round picks too many no i mean robert covington is the whole thing about him is that he's a really good salary. He fits on any team because he's just a, a big wing who defends, who can shoot threes. Though he's not like an amazing three-point shooter, but of course he can shoot open threes really well. Um, I you get know what it is? That. It's because everyone plays fantasy, and anyone that hits two threes <laughs> and two steals knows just how rare that is. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's a, I mean, that's, he's being overvalued just because everyone plays fantasy. That's exactly it. So, so I, you know, I had floated out. Like, if you really are desperate. Now, this isn't something I would do, but like a Dinwiddie for Robert Covington swap. But you are drastically undervaluing Spencer Dinwiddie at this point. And if if we're going back to the Brian Edict, Egan Edict of competing in the East, which is to, to not just do small moves on the margins, is that if you have Kyrie and KD, you have the ammo to do a really big move. That really big move may actually be, yes, trading Spencer Dinwiddie, but I wouldn't do a Spencer Dinwiddie trade for, like, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon isn't going to make the difference between the Nets being, um, like, a good, a really good Eastern Conference team to being an NBA champion. He's he's a nice piece, but he isn't, like, this all-inspiring, you know, game-changing force. There's a reason why the Magic aren't good, and he's one of the reasons. I mean, he's a fine player, but he's not not everything on this team. I, I, I ultimately... So I will say this, and I this is sort of my faith in in the Zach Lowe guiding light here, is that 
the if Zach Lowe is saying that he's one of the teams to watch, I there's usually some reporting behind that, right? This isn't just like him thinking in his head, oh, the Nets are kind of interesting. I'm going to start watching them at the trade deadline. So there are some discussions. We also have uh, Bobby Marks was on Woj's podcast, and Bobby Marks was saying that the Nets are out there seeking, um, you know, they're out there in the market seeking long-term deals, deals for guys who have longer-term contracts that fit into the long-term vision of the team, not just they're not just going to trade for a guy who's on an expiring deal. Um, that makes sense to me. Again, though, I don't know who that would be. Aaron Gordon would fit that bill for sure, and we've heard enough about that. Robert Covington would fit that because he's a longer-term contract. But again, I don't know. It would be very strange right now to trade Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think you could trade Spencer Dinwiddie right now in season. You could do something in the offseason, but not right now. So it's like the whole thing that we're going to be looking out for is which names pop up in the trade rumors from teams that are interesting, that have longer-term contracts, that could be appealing to the Nets. Yeah. And I don't the know thing is, is, like, the only other name, like, so I, in my opinion, like, the best name out there is Dinwiddie. Like, that's been, like, sort of just paraded around in the trade deals. Um, I don't want to, you know, be the guy that's trading the best player if we don't need to in these trade things. Because, like, the other one is, like, Kuzma. And I, I take Spencer Dinwiddie over Kuzma For sure. nine times out of ten. For sure. Um, so... Yeah, it sucks to be the trade partner that has the best player that's on, you know, that's ostensibly on the trade market. I would, I really would like to make like, obviously, we like Rodion's Karutz just from last year. Uh, Nicholas Claxton, everyone holds in such high esteem because he's fun to watch and he has all this talent. I do think this, this team could use like a new person uh, of value, a guy who can actually play basketball, just insert it into the lineup, maybe someone who is on a longer term contract. And this could be a guy who's like your eighth, you know, player, like the third guy off the bench or something. It doesn't have to be a starter. I could, I, I it would be. I think this team does need sort of a, a little spark. Kyrie Irving was supposed to be that spark, and he was when healthy. Obviously, had an amazing game against the Bulls, but he he's hurt again. You know, I think. I mean, the player, I hate to say it, the, I mean, obviously, the, the like, this isn't going to happen, but the player that I think fits our, what we need most as, like, maybe a, a uh, off the bench, maybe could be starter in a pinch, stretch four that's got, like, a, you know, offensive spark is your boy Marcus Morris at the moment. Um, <laughs> never going to happen, but, like. Never going to happen. Um, would be a fun one. Yeah, so, it, I have faith that Sean Marks, because he, he has always been, like sneakily active, right? He he's always pulled off some kind of deal that we were not anticipating. It, we've been hearing about Aaron Gordon to the Nets for three years now, and it hasn't happened. Um, I'm sure if Sean Marks wanted to get Aaron Gordon, he could. It's the one positive is that he has a good contract. But I think there's probably other guys out there that we are not fully aware of that could work out. Now, I will say the one thing that people do need to keep their eye on, and this is something that will be interesting moving forward is the Nets have the 76ers first round pick and the 76ers first round pick right now, I think is like 20 overall. I can go to tankathon.com, which is a great resource. If anyone wants to kind of like figure out what draft situations happening. So yeah, the Philadelphia 76ers pick right now would be 20th overall, which is a way better pick than what 
I think anyone would have anticipated. Now, there's a lot of movement that could happen. They, they could win a few games or go on a hot streak, and that pick suddenly becomes 27th overall. They're only three wins behind the Clippers in the overall wins rankings or whatever. But right now, it's 20. So that is, as projected now, that's a trade asset. That's a legit, like, if you give 20 overall to some team, you're going to get maybe Davis Bertans. Now, Davis Bertans for the Wizards, they have no interest apparently in trading him. They've asked for a really high price for him. They have to continually convince Bradley Beal that they are actually building a winner, even though Bradley Beal just signed an extension. Davis Bertans is a guy that the Wizards allegedly want to keep. He's also a guy that a lot of teams in the NBA really want, uh, Dallas being one of them, and Dallas currently has their own first-round pick also. I think they can trade it. They should be able to, but it may... Oh, I don't know, because they have the Knicks thing that happened with the Porzingis and all that stuff. But anyways, the Nets will have ammo. Let's just say that Philadelphia picks settles at 23 by the season end. Okay. So it's 23 overall. You can trade that plus a future Nets pick plus any of the young players that Kyrie Irving did not mention in his speech <laughs> a few weeks ago. And then you have that. That is a really serious trade package that no contender, pretty much no contender can compete with at this point, maybe besides Boston. Um, so overall, what the Nets should do in this trade deadline is not sacrifice a single inch of future assets in any way except for maybe like a, a second-round pick from whatever um, because the Nets will be in position in the offseason to make any deal that they want, and it's easier in the offseason integrating that player. We'll know either Kevin Durant will have already played or will be playing. Of course, he's going to play next season. Um I, it just it just makes all the sense in the world to not do anything drastic. And, and Zach Lowe's not even saying that. He's just saying they're interesting to watch. One other note, Brian, and I'll stop talking. You can't trade Karis LeVert now because his value has never been lower besides when he was like a, a you know rookie, basically. Uh, he has that, that extension that is going to kick in, that is going to kind of mess up a team's cap in some way. He isn't playing well. Um there's no you, what you would get for Karis LeVert now is not 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 at all um, worth what he is worth on your own team and hoping that he'll get back to what he was you know last season or whatever. Um, cannot trade Karis LeVert right now. So again, all of the signs point to the team taking their time and patience and maybe making one small move, but not something crazy big and scary. Um, how about that Kevin Love situation? Not going to get traded. Crazy. What I mean, what is the future of that situation? He's got so many years left on his contract. It's so expensive. Um, like, are they just going to ride it into the dirt? I mean, like, what's what's going to happen here? Well, we have to see. It's going to be a team's going to get desperate enough to want him. Like, but if his like if he continues to just be antagonizing the franchise that he plays for and like. <laughs> His like his his value is gonna start to plummet. I mean, there's just no way you can deal with a like a Im, just embittered star who's just not like getting anywhere near the numbers and touches that he deserves on a on a team that he just doesn't fit on anymore. Well, so like we have this whole like D'Angelo Russell situation of how from the moment he signed with the Golden State Warriors, there's rumors that the Timberwolves wanted to trade for him. Right, that mm-hmm. immediately began to happen. You know what? I would kind of love and so. I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, the, the the way that would work, it would have to be Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. 
And I cannot imagine Andrew Wiggins playing on the floor with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like <laughs> he is the opposite player to those guys. We're like yeah. he's all talent, and I mean he's been good this year, but again, let's not that good. Let's not go crazy. Um, it would just it would feel so foreign that this guy who has such a low motor and has seemingly not really cared all that much about like being good at basketball would be on the floor with like this high powered machine, a legendary core group of players. But one trade I do think makes some sense is the Timberwolves trading Wiggins for love, doing the swap that what had been done before all those years mm-hmm. ago, because mm-hmm. Wiggins on the, the Cavs doesn't mean anything because the Cavs are bad and they get this younger player who, you know, maybe fits in more with the personality of their team, which is like, let's not be good at basketball. And the Timberwolves get Kevin Love back. And then you put him next to Carl Anthony Towns. And then you have two big dudes who don't play defense, who shoot threes like crazy. And you kind of go forward that way. And that's what I think the Timberwolves would want anyways, which is more three-point shooting. And you're just this really unique, high-rebounding, no-defense, three-point shooting team. And the salaries, I'm sure, do work in some way. Uh, the, the Timberwolves, by the way, are one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, and Carl Anthony Towns continues to languish on that team. Yeah. I mean, the D'Angelo Russell situation is kind of interesting because he actually looks really good. Um, yeah. He could be a really good player. I don't know why. Like, I mean, I, Still just 23 years old, averaging 23 points and six assists and is like gets super hot. Um, yeah. It's not an obvious person to want to trade. Yeah. And like, it's funny that you, it's like one of those things you just hear it so much about the Warriors and hear about it with him. Is that like, I mean, yeah, him and Steph Curry probably aren't going to be like the best duo, particularly then when Clay Thompson comes back. But if you're going to get Andrew Wiggins back, I can't, it just doesn't make sense. The only other thing that would make sense is like a three-team trade in the offseason where you're getting, God, I don't know, you're getting like a whole bunch of picks that are then spun around to someone else to get like Bradley Beal again, Bradley Beal, the, the, the guy everyone brings up. Um. Another piece I kind of want to dig through and like all the trade deadline stuff that's been happening is there's like a Clint Capella rumor that uh, the Rockets are going to trade Clint Capella to an Eastern Conference team, get picks back in the thing that we're talking about, and then probably send them to Minnesota for Robert Covington. Why we care about Clint Capella is that if he goes to an Eastern Conference team like Boston, Boston becomes, I'm not the biggest Clint Capella guy, but Boston becomes way more interesting because then you're rolling out, you know, Hayward, Kemba Walker. Tatum, Brown, and Clint Capella, which is a super tough lineup. Um, I don't want that to happen. I, I, it would make me happy that Boston finally gives up draft picks and like it ends up being just Clint Capella, but it, uh, it, it is something to monitor if you care about the Nets and want them to be good at basketball going forward. The guy who would come out of that trade though would have to probably be Marcus Smart. And Marcus Smart would be someone that I would love the Nets to get their hands on in some way, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Anything else for trade deadline stuff that you saw that was interesting? Um, no, no, that's it. Uh, shout out to Sean Goodfriend, a few others who sent some emails. We kind of covered all of it because because we just did. But um, thanks thanks to the email people, netspod at gmail.com. Definitely send it over. We'll read them for, for most of the time. But, you know, we just didn't have the time today. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we, we had to do a proper mailbag pod. Maybe next we'll – do, we'll do mailbag pod. Anyone who's still listening, we'll do it, like, next Monday or whenever we pod next week in terms of the first pod. 
we'll do it then. And also, I should announce, could have announced at the top, but I'll announce it again later. Um, we had had that kind of weird schedule sometimes of where some of our podcasts would be behind the paywall at The Athletic, and then some would be free, though most had been free. We're going all free, so all of our oh. podcasts will be out there for the world to be had. Look at that. Um, I would suggest still getting an Athletic subscription because you get a lot of great writing, but for your glue guys, your glue guys will be out there in the world just, just for you to have in any kind of platform that you'd want. So a little post-Super Bowl gift for all of you people. Um, Brian, it's been so great talking to you. Mike, really can't thank you enough for having me on again. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, boy! Yeah! <laughs>